Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back to the Paleo View, episode 393, if we've done our simple math correctly. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Stacy. I I realize now that we started that I, I didn't, normally I double check the episode number <laughs> before we start recording. And then as you introduced the episode, I was like, oh, I, I didn't double check uh, well, that I So I, this week, normally you do it. I, this week, went back and looked and last week if it was correct, was 392. <laughs> so who knows? That's, but that's what I do every week. I'm, I'm sure like, like in 2014, check. we got off by a number and there's a listener somewhere who's like, nope, you guys are still off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I've been, I got a couple messages this week of people who are like catching up on old episodes and they're like, I can't bring myself to jump ahead until I've caught up behind and this is where I am and it's so great. And so to those people who are finally caught up now, right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why did later. you do that to yourself? <laughs> um, I, I love how our show has evolved over the years. Years, like we're coming up on eight years, are we now? I think so. Um, and I, it's, I think we're getting to the point in our podcast age where we have to start lying about it and like flipping our hair and acting like it's younger than it is. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. We, I hope you listeners, especially those of you who have gone back and listened are enjoying the development and maturity of the show. Sarah and I were just talking beforehand about how far the show has come from when we started and where we both were in our journey and discovery of health. And like that is never a linear progression for ourselves or for you as listeners. And so I hope that it resonates to our listeners to see how when you focus on education, when you focus on science, when you focus on always being open to learning more and achieving your healthiest self, that it might look different in eight years than it did. I mean, I was a vegetarian for seven years because my mom thought that that was good for us. And then we learned differently, (laughs) you know, and she said she felt so bad for, you know, quote unquote, making us be vegetarian and it wasn't healthy. And I'm like, but mom, you did the best that you could. You know what I mean? Like, so there's nothing about the show that I point back to and I'm like, I regret that or we wouldn't have that show still exist, but we we would have, we would have some kind of update update to it. Yes. Um, I mean, I think that's, I, I wish it didn't set us apart as much as it does. Um, the, I think that it's still, we're still in this minority of um, voices in sort of health conscious communities as a like really broad umbrella that are very tied to evidence. And I mean, that's as, you know, as a, as a, 
scientist and and somebody who who you know used to do medical research it's really really important to me to tie every recommendation to the evidence to admit uh, boundaries of human knowledge, uh, nuance, context, um, you know, where something might work for one individual, but not another one and why, and really give our listeners this really like broad education in terms of, um, everything surrounding these health topics, right? So not, it's not just like why vegetables are good. Um, but, but are the you know the different types of vegetables and like highlighting some and and what is it in this vegetable that might not work for some people right and really getting into those details in order for people to really understand their own bodies and make informed day-to-day choices and that's what i really think all of this is about and that being rooted in science gives us the ability to learn and change and evolve. And, you know, I always want my current recommendations to reflect the most current scientific evidence. And I, I really, you know, getting back to the, I wish that, um, the health conscious communities as a whole were more open to new information, to contradictory data, um, to, respecting bioindividuality and and sort of getting off the the dogma high horse which has been irking me lately um, and so I really hope that our listeners value that you know Stace and I put a lot of effort into researching for our shows so that we're giving you you know science-based information with that context and nuance so that, However you identify, because we have we have listeners who identify as vegan and paleo and primal and gluten-free and everything in between, autoimmune protocol, however you, whatever labels you, you give to your diet and lifestyle choices, we hope that this information um, helps you make the best choices for you. Which leads us into today's topic. <laughs> We're Something talk- we've never talked about before. We're going to talk about CBD, which I feel like is quite a taboo subject. Like, it's one of those things people have feelings on one way or another. And mm-hmm. I'd like our listeners to go into this open-minded as you and I both went into our research on CBD open-minded. And um, I personally was like, oh, I don't want any part of that. It's like the new thing that people are just selling and it doesn't actually have any benefit and it's just cool. And the thing is, is that the science changed my mind. Like it it really is helpful for a lot of people. And so we're going to talk about this, but I want, if you're on that fence of like, oh, this is just the next fad, um, it doesn't have value. I encourage you to continue to listen to the show and see if the information and the science that we share resonates with you in some sort of way, because um, I have seen a change in my husband significantly since he started taking CBD. And as someone with anxiety, when it gets... Um, extreme for me. I take CBD and I 
know a difference. And one of the things that was really important to me when we were looking for a partnership and a sponsor on the show was someone that tested the CBD Mm -hmm. and used an organic um, growing process and um, had control over their supply chain. And so we've partnered with One Farm to sponsor the show because it checked all of those boxes as well as other things that you find important, I'm sure. But for me, um, I don't know if you've seen it, Sarah, but there's a um, show called Rotten on Netflix. And I I really enjoyed that series. And one of the things that they talked about um, was like an, an edible show, which is different than CBD. Marijuana and CBD are not one in the same, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but the supply chain of it is ultimately um, linked in a lot of ways. And they talked about how the measurements aren't controlled because it's not fe- federally regulated. And that really resonated with me because I have been doing a lot of research on federal regulation and what they do and don't control and how people can put labels of something and it doesn't actually mean something. And that happens a lot with CBD where people will say it doesn't contain THC because they can put that on the label, but that doesn't necessarily mean something. Like it's just to me so important that if I am going to be taking CBD, that it be of a high safe quality. And I know that I'm just getting um, the part of it that is health beneficial and is not um, going to give me psychoactive results that I'm not seeking. Right. Like that makes sense. Um, I also, I mean, one of the things that I um, really adore about One Farm is that their extraction process is, uh, it's a, what's called a supercritical carbon dioxide extraction. So it doesn't use any solvents. Um, there's no, there's basically, it's a, it's a chemical-free extraction process. So not only are they growing their hemp organically, they, they, it's entirely, it's one farm because it's one farm. Um, it's their farm, their, um, facility for extraction. They control every single step of the production of all of their CBD products from the, um, super high quality organic hemp that they grow. Um, but also, so that means that there's no, right. There's no trace pesticides. Um, there's no trace toxins. So it is a super clean, it's actually a clean enough, um, you know, CBD, like a hemp oil product that you can very happily take the unflavored. Um, and that, that is unusual. So the other thing is their flavorings are, you know, purely with some kind of essential oil, like the mint's pretty good. Um, but I just like the, the unflavored and it's because it is such a high quality, um, hemp oil product that it doesn't taste disgusting and it doesn't need to be loaded with stevia and other, and, you know, flavorings and other things that are so common in CBD products in order to be palatable to consume. Cool. So we thank One Farm, a new sponsor for the show, and we want you listeners to know that we vet our sponsors the same way that we vet the information and the science on the topics that we have. We don't just choose them because someone approaches us with money. Like we, we, we'd have a lot different sponsors if that was the case, but we, we, we seek out people who we genuinely 
use and believe in their product and would recommend it to you and our loved ones because we think of you that way. So um, we're going to talk about why CBD, um, but we wanted you to know that if you listen to the show and it resonates with you and you're like, you know what, I'm going to try that to see if it will help me. Um, the one that we recommend is our sponsor today, One Farm. And you can go to onefarm.com slash paleoview and use code paleoview for 15% off. So let's talk about what CBD is and the system in the human body that it's interacting with. Um, because that I think is really critical in understanding the diversity of effects that CBD has and that are potentially therapeutic in a lot of different situations. So uh, CBD is a cannabinoid. Um, There's about 60 different cannabinoids in uh, cannabis, the cannabis plant. So that's, you know, also known as marijuana. Um, CBD is uh, also known as cannabidiol and it is a non-psychoactive component. So it's a phytochemical um, the psychoactive one, Stacey, you alluded to already is THC. So THC is what is responsible for, um, a lot of the, um, well, the high that is associated with marijuana use. So it is what is the, the main chemical that is responsible for all of those different effects. CBD for the most part, now, I, you know, it's, I think it's important to emphasize that there's a very small subset of the population uh, with a genetic predisposition towards a mild psychoactive effect from CBD. People who have that will liken it to um, having a cup of coffee after not having a cup of coffee all week and that sort of same type of um, awakeness and sort of peppiness. Um, and there is a very, very small percentage of people who have, um, basically an intolerable psychoactive response to CBD. It's very uncommon, but I just want to be very, very clear, even though THC is considered the psychoactive, um, uh, phytochemical from cannabis, that there is a small percentage of people. So if you if you try CBD, I would definitely recommend if you're trying it for the first time uh, to try it at a time where if you had a reaction like that, it would be okay. You don't need to drive anywhere. You don't need to be responsible for young children, no operating heavy machinery, just as uh, just in case. Um, and also, as we'll talk about later, it's also very important if you're wanting to use this therapeutically to talk to your doctor because of potential drug interactions. We'll get to that. So fun, the- fun fact... Yeah. Can I can I share a fun fact with you? So first of all, let me just say CBD is legal. Like C- CBD is not mm-hmm. the same thing as it's legal marijuana. in all fifty states. Yeah. Yes, it's not the the. So I just want to put that out there because I think that there's a misconception with um, it being tied to marijuana. It's kind of like if you were to buy like a hemp purse or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's legal. That's you know not going to get you high, so to speak. But fun fact that I learned from the rotten show which i'm like totally plugging this um documentary series is amazing um (laughs) is that the marijuana plants have been bred since we were teenagers or when our parents were younger to have higher and higher doses of thc so the um marijuana that generations ago would have experienced would have had a balance of CBD and THC so that you get that like chill out factor with the 
psychoactive component, right? Mm -hmm. But now what people have done as the entire market has changed and we really have a problem in the United States is that we, these plants have been bred to have more and more and more THC. And so um, it helped me understand the difference between the two when I like learned how one is operating and how the other is operating and how it would make you feel to have a balance or it would make you feel to have an imbalance because we're taking this part of the calming effect or the benefits that Sarah will talk about on um, your body or, you know, your systems and whatever it might be that it's affecting. We're taking that part out and giving it to you alone. Imagine if you removed that from the psychoactive state of marijuana, right? Like it's to me, I'm like, why would you ever want like THC ratio 100 to one? Like there, there are things on the market that are like that in states where it's legal. And I'm just like, why would you ever do that to yourself? Anyway, side note, tangent. Yeah. And and I think actually it's so um, CBD is often marketed as hemp oil. So it is uh, marijuana, the cannabis plant has two subspecies. So it has one subspecies that is quite high in THC. Um, and then the other subspecies, which is, and that's typic- what is typically called marijuana. And then the other subspecies, which is typically called hemp, is naturally very low in THC. And that it, that is the subspecies that um, CBD is extracted from. So it's also, I think, important to understand that while marijuana has been selectively um, grown to increase the THC content over time, hemp has not. Hemp is still used for not just CBD oil, but rope, and purses, and clothes. Hemp, clothes. Yeah, there's lots of things. Hemp. Sheets, hemp bed sheets. Oh, that doesn't sound pleasant. It's a little rough. I don't, anyway, <laughs> I took us really over here. Yeah. Um, no, so but I, is- I think that's important to, to emphasize that it's, it's not even that CBD, when, you know, properly... And uh, when properly made, is um, has THC below detectable limits, but they, you know, should come from different plants or subspecies of the same plant. Agreed. Which is why, for me, it was super important that if we were going to recommend a brand and we chose a sponsor for the show, that it be someone who is actually testing the THC and the CBD levels in the products that they're mm-hmm. making to assure people that they're not getting that... Um, psychoactive element of THC in the products that they are consuming. So that's, that's, that's where it came full circle for me. Now I'm ready for you to dive into the science. So um, what cannabidiol, right? CBD does is it acts as a ligand for the endocannabinoid system in the human body. So endo means within uh, or like natural to us um, and cannabinoid, is derived from the word cannabis. Um, and it's actually, the the history of this is really interesting because THC was discovered as the first cannabinoid uh, from cannabis in the 60s. I think it was like 1964. And the human endocannabinoid system was discovered subsequently. So it was actually discovering this um, active component in a plant that was interacting with the human body that allowed researchers to discover this entire system within the human body, which is really 
fascinating. It appears to be um, a very um, what's sort of considered a very ancient system. So it's it's something that um, crosses many forms of of life. Um, and is considered uh, something that would be required for basic survival. Um, what researchers believe the endocannabinoid system is responsible for is regulating the interaction between pain sensation um, and the emotional response, as well as the adaptation and maladaptation to chronic pain. And then because it's part of this pain sensory system, it's also a, it has crosstalk with all uh, physiological functions that would modulate healing. So very much a, I sense pain, this probably relates to injury. I'm going to have an emotional response to it. And I'm also going to tell the immune system that it needs to get its acting gear to to go and help out with this healing. And so it's, it's very interesting because if you think about the sensation of pain and the emotional response, um, depending on the situation, you're going to experience pain differently and you're going to experience the emotional response to that pain differently. So um, you can think of um, how you might feel when you stub your toe. Um, that you might be frustrated and angry, um, but you might have another, um, you know, cut yourself uh, in the kitchen and you might have, uh, you might be upset, right? It might make you cry. Um, and it just has this very different emotional response to the pain because of the different situation. And that you can actually, this is the same system in the human body that will uh, cause the perception of physical pain in response to really intense emotion. So this is also the same system in the body that might um, make you feel physical pain when you're grieving, for example. So this system is really connecting uh, the actual like pain neurons um, and how those signals are interpreted by the brain, uh, interfacing with our, the emotional center in the brain, and then also interfacing with uh, the hormone systems and the immune systems that are going to be responsible for uh, some kind of response to that pain. And is, one of the things I... Sorry to interrupt yeah. again. I mean, not actually, sorry. I'm going to interrupt <laughs> again. Um, cool. Uh, what's fascinating to me about this is like the, the stress is the trigger for Matt and I usually, or, um, an emotional response, like for example, um, his depression, it was one of the things that was helpful, um, when he was working through getting out of the depression that was initiated by grief. Um, and so it, I like hadn't put together how it could potentially, be successful in someone who, for example, had cancer and was in pain and how I could also, for example, help me when I have anxiety or help him when he's depressed. But I'm realizing that it's because stress can trigger all different kinds of things, inflammation in the body, um, pain, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's targeting that system. So I just, yeah. I had this light bulb moment and I just want to make sure our <laughs> listeners had this light bulb moment. <laughs> well, to, to expand on your light bulb moment, um, 
it is the endocannabinoid system that links depression with pain, um, which can go in either direction, right? So you can experience chronic pain that makes you depressed, but also something like um, 80 or 90%, I, I can't remember exactly, um, but I, I was reading this in a scientific paper, you know, like two days ago. So that's why the numbers, it's really high of uh, people with um, clinical depression have some manifestation, some symptom manifestation that is pain. Um, so that link between depression and pain is actually mediated through the endocannabinoid system. And um, what is really interesting is this system is also what is mediating the maladaptation to chronic pain. So if you think about, I mean, the best um, example I can give you is diabetes as a similar uh, analogy where you have the maladaptation to chronically elevated blood sugar levels where your insulin sensitivity goes down. So then you can't actually process all of the sugar in your blood. And then you have all of the other detrimental things that happen with chronically elevated blood sugar, like inflammation, um, vascular damage. That's why people with unmanaged diabetes uh, go blind, have kidney failure, have a, a high rate of needing um a limb amputated is because of the the impact on the vasculature from that chronically elevated um, blood sugar, and it it starts with this maladaptation to a stimulus, which is the high blood sugar of you know the body can't keep up in terms of insulin production. Um, it also starts to make itself more what's called it right insulin resistant. It's not insulin signaling is not having the same effect. So there's a sort of very similar, although this the system, the endocannabinoid system is a much more complex because it's not just insulin and the insulin receptor. There's two different receptors and there's many different what are called ligands. Ligands, a thing that binds with a receptor and triggers some kind of response. Um, but the symptoms, uh, uh, the sort of like psychological symptoms the behavioral uh, changes that go with chronic pain are mediated through the endocannabinoid system. So, um, you know, I, I, I found a great um, paper that really, like, tried to summarize the impact on, um, the, you know, current society in terms of, you know, healthcare spending. And it's the, the stats are really, um, are really alarming because chronic pain uh, is a symptom of so many, like it can resolve, it can result from so many different things, right? There's so many different things that can cause chronic pain. And then chronic pain itself can cause anxiety, irritability, low self-esteem, uh, decreased productivity, depression, insomnia, uh, suicide risk. Um, it can impact relationships. Uh, it can reduce functional capacity, which can then, you know, say cause loss of income. Um, it can cause, um, fatigue, uh, inability to concentrate, has a cognitive effect. Um, and then it also, you know, potentially, you know, can be, um, financially devastating for a family because if you combine loss of income with increased healthcare spending, that is, um, you know, a recipe for, for a highly stressful event, which can then magnify the sensation of pain. And that is entirely mediated through the endocannabinoid system. It's what would be considered a maladaptation the same way uh, insulin resistance is a maladaptation to, to high blood sugar. All I can think about is when I had that back injury and you were going through that list and I'm like, yep, yep, 
Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, And I can't, I can't emphasize enough to our listeners who have chronic pain, how much I, I just, I want to hug you and I don't like hugging. Like it's so hard and it's overwhelming and it's like, there's no relief and it just grates on you. And it's like, there's just nothing you can do. It feels like. And so if I had known what I know now about juve, for example, or CBD, I wonder how much faster my recovery could have been. You know what I mean? And, and I just, I wish that for everybody. I just, I just want everybody to be happy and healthy all the time. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and let's get into a little bit more of the details of how CBD actually interacts with our cannabinoid receptors, right? So how, if you take CBD, how does it interact with this system that we already have in our body um, to help correct for some of that maladaptation, because that's really what we're talking about. Um, there's, um, it appears as though the endocannabinoid system is not just responsible for the maladaptation to chronic pain. It is responsible for, uh, the, um, what would basically be considered a a pain sensation to a stimulus that doesn't normally cause pain. And that can be a symptom of a lot of different things, right? So we've talked about depression, but that can also be um, something that goes along with autoimmune disease, for example. Um, it can be something that, um, you know, is, is a s- symptom of chronic stress. And there's actually a lot of research pointing to a really fundamental role in the endocannabinoid system, not just in this adaptation to pain or the sensation of pain in response to mental health challenges, but also in like inflammatory diseases that are related to lifestyle. So it is related to atherosclerosis, which is the the buildup of, uh, I think it's technically called gunk inside of our arteries that can break <laughs> off a clot and cause like a heart attack. It's a, that's what it's the technical term, gunk. I mean, hundred percent. Yep. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they teach uh, doctors in medical school. It's not atherosclerotic plaques. It's gunk. Um, but also Crohn's disease, um, osteoarthritis, um, like there's uh, potentially involvement in neurodegenerative diseases. Like we'll talk about some of the specific conditions in which CBD has been tested as a therapeutic agent. But the reason why it is being tested as a therapeutic agent is because the uh, endogenous cannabinoid system, right? The the system in our body that is mediating this link between pain and emotion and the physiological response to the pain stimulus, right? Like the immune system. That it's because that system is involved in the etiology of a lot of chronic illnesses that CBD has investigated has been investigated as a potential therapeutic agent. The way that CBD is working is by binding with these two families of receptors that we have. Um, They're called CB1 and CB2. And um, these are the the two main receptors of our endogenous cannabinoid system. We also, we we produce a ton of different ligands ourselves. So CBD is acting as a ligand. We have our own endogenous ligands that all have very long chemical names um, that I, I would be amusing if I tried to pronounce them, but um, I think I'm going to preserve my dignity on this show um, because it, 
what's more important to understand is sort of the uh, where these receptors are and what is the effect of binding with these receptors. That is um, that is how we understand how CBD works. So in general, CB1 receptors are found in the central nervous system and CB2 receptors are found in what would be called the periphery, right? So like everything else that is not the central nervous system, although there's some crossover. So um, there are CB1 receptors found in some other tissues. There's some in right adrenal gland and heart and lung, thymus, um, a lot of um, immune uh, cells as well. CB2 is really important in immune cells um, and is found in virtually every tissue in the human body. Um, but there is a little bit in very specific regions in the in the brain as well. So there is this slight crossover in terms of, of where these are found. But generally, CB1 is central nervous system. Generally, CB2 is the rest of the body. And depending on which receptor is being bound, that's part of why there's both impact on immune function, but also there's really important impact on neurotransmitter function. Um, So that is how we're getting this uh, dual impact on um, how the immune system is responding to this pain stimulus, but also how pain is being perceived and the emotional response to pain, right? So some of that is actually happening in the brain, and then some of that is happening at the level of um, the, the immune system and the uh, what would be called the neuroendocrine system. So hormones that are throughout the body, but that have some kind of direct impact on brain function. In particular, I think it's really interesting to look at how Um, CBD is changing or activating neurotransmitters because that explains a lot of the impact on uh, the perception of pain as well as the emotional response, as well as like what you were um, talking about, Stacey, as well as um, related mental health symptoms like depression and anxiety and brain fog and memory, right? And all of those different things. So um, CBD is changing um, serotonin. So it actually activates a serotonin receptor called 5-HT1A. And what happens when that receptor is activated is it creates, you know, basically this cascade of, of chemical reactions that the end product is increasing the production of serotonin, um, which is, you know, Depression is definitely more complicated than not enough serotonin, Um, but you can see just from that one impact on one neurotransmitter how CBD could then dramatically impact mental health. Serotonin also, by the way, is very, very important in mediating uh, digestion. So serotonin is one of the neurotransmitters that controls uh, peristalsis in the GI tract. And so it's one. It's potentially one of the reasons why CBD also has uh, an impact on um, gastrointestinal symptoms. So um, CBD is also um, able to interact with the GABA system. So GABA is our like main calming neurotransmitter, and what it does in this particular case is it makes the receptor to GABA called the GABA-A receptor. These things are very um, uh, originally and creatively named. Um, but it it basically 
makes it so that when the GABA receptor binds with GABA, it amplifies the signal, right? So it's it's um, increasing the effect of GABA signaling. So it's making a more calming effect. Um, there's also through some other uh, receptors that CBD can potentially interact with. Um, so these, these are effects that are separate from, from the CB1 and CB2 receptors. Um, it looks like it has a direct impact on bone mineralization. So it binds with a receptor um, called the orphan, it's called the orphan receptor. And it's called that because it doesn't, it's so structurally different from other receptors. It doesn't appear to belong to any other receptor family. Um, but it's more technically called again, super creatively named GPR55. Um, but uh, when you, uh, so overactivation of GPR55, it's associated with osteoporosis as well as cancer risk. And so CBD has been shown to, uh, decrease um, cancer cell division as well as bone resorption by acting as an antagonist to this particular receptor. And then one of the other, I think, really relevant impacts is it actually activates um, PPARs, which are signaling molecules within cells that control cell division. Um, and so what's really interesting by activating PPARs um, CBD appears to have, again, reduce cell division of cancer cells, um, but it also seems to help degrade the um, amyloid plaques associated with Alzheimer's disease, um, which is very interesting because there is definitely a, a fair bit of research looking at CBD in terms of neurodegenerative disease. And then through activation of PPARs, there's also an impact on insulin sensitivity and metabolism. So it it really has this diverse effects. But when you think about what this system is responsible for in terms of this really interesting connection between um, perception and both a physiological and a psychological response, you can like really quickly see why it would then impact all of these different systems. Because then in the periphery, right, there's all of this effect uh, through um, mainly through activation of CB1 and CB2 receptors, um, all of this really important impact on the immune system. Uh, overall, CBD is anti-inflammatory. Um, and, and overall, you would call it immunosuppressive, or I think it's more technically uh, immunomodulatory. So there's definitely some context, right? So you're seeing a uh, benefit to cancer. But there's also a benefit to Alzheimer's, um, benefit to autoimmune disease. So when you start to see something impact immune function in all these different ways that the immune system can break down, that's where you would start to call something immunomodulatory. So it would help to bring balance to the immune system. But really importantly, CBD through activation, uh, especially of the CB2 receptor, um, is known to inhibit some really important uh, chemical messengers of inflammation. They're called inflammatory cytokines. In particular, interleukin-1 beta, interleukin-6, and interferon gamma, which are three out of like maybe the four top mediators of inflammation. Um, so these are produced by certain inflammatory cells, um, resident inflammatory cells in our different tissues, and they help to signal to the immune system to ramp up inflammation and, and like come to help. And so these um, 
this anti-inflammatory effect then has been studied in a variety of different diseases in which inflammation is part of the pathogenesis. So it's been studied in inflammatory lung disease um, and has been shown to CBD as, as a supplement um, has been shown to have uh, therapeutic potency by um, reducing the immune system um, and restoring lung function. Um, and in particular, what it's doing is it is stopping what would be called the recruitment of inflammatory cells. So uh, as, as I just sort of mentioned, right, you'd have, uh, you have immune cells that just kind of hang out in every tissue in your body. Um, they would be called resident immune um, cells. They're typically a type of cell called macrophages. And they hang out and they just like wait for something exciting to happen, like an injury or an infection. And then when they are activated, they go, ha bad thing. And they produce these inflammatory cytokines that then uh, tell the rest of the immune system to activate and come on in. When immune cells um, leave the bloodstream and enter tissue, that's called recruitment. Um, and it's mediated by a very, very complex set of processes where the immune cells first interact with the blood vessel wall, and then they go through, you know, in between the cells of the blood of the blood vessel and out into the tissue. Um, and that is what is being inhibited by CBD and inflammatory lung disease. So you're having this less accumulation of these inflammatory cells in the lungs. Um, as I mentioned, it's also been studied in neurodegenerative disease, not just Alzheimer's, but also Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, uh, HIV-associated dementia as well. And that impact is through microglia cells, which are like a resident immune cell in the brain, which are um, their normal job is like the cleanup crew of the, of the central nervous system. But also um, when they're activated, they are responsible for a lot of the, the bad things that can happen on our, our brain from an inflammation standpoint, right? So that's not just the direct impact on the brain, on the brain but also, uh, you know, decreasing vagus nerve output, for example, which would then impact digestion. So a lot of the root sort of gut-brain axis stuff comes from the activation of microglial cells. Um, and... Uh, and then also it's been looked at in uh, autoimmune disease. So CBD has been shown to be potentially therapeutic for Crohn's. Um, and I think it was looked at in Crohn's because pain is uh, a feature of, of Crohn's disease. Um, but it's directly by modulating the immune system. Um, it also reduces not just the recruitment of um, the sort of normal inflammatory cells, but also mast cells, which produce histamine. Um, and in the Crohn's research, it's been shown to modulate not just the secretion of uh, interleukin-1 beta and interleukin-6 and interferon gamma, but also the other like super inflammatory cytokine uh, tumor necrosis factor alpha, also called TNF-alpha. So for me, as somebody who, um, you know, I researched the immune system for my PhD and, um, and first postdoc. Um, so I, I look at anything that is having such a potent effect on these particular, this particular collection of cytokines. These are chemical messengers of inflammation that are very much, their job is to say, turn on. Hey, yo, bad things happen. Turn on, Infl you know, immune system. Turn on. We need, and this is the really 
their first job is to modulate uh, what would be called the the innate immune system or the first responder part of the immune system. So these are um, nonspecific inflammatory actions. And nonspecific inflammatory actions, while they can be really great in some situations, when you start talking about chronic activation, that's the part of the immune system that's causing a lot of diffuse damage throughout the body that is then um, a permissive event for the development of chronic illness. So CBD, through its interaction with the CB, uh, mainly CB2 receptor, but also the CB1 receptor, is just like, just putting the brakes on the entire immune system. It's just saying like, hold up, hold up. And then the other impact that it has on immune function, super relevant to our listeners with autoimmune disease, is it's actually inducing regulatory T cells. So it also, it's not just the innate immune system, but it's also the adaptive immune system that it has an effect on. And in the adaptive immune system, it is uh, increasing the cell type whose deficiency is the main thing leading to the imbalance in immune function that is causing autoimmune disease. So um, it's it's a just in terms of mechanism, like let's, these are all studies that are about understanding the, uh, you know, what is CBD doing in the body? So it's about understanding how the endocannabinoid system is imbalanced in these chronic disease states. And then when you add CBD, right, you add this exogenous ligand to the CB receptors, what does that do? Like what, what is the impact on all of these systems that are controlled by the endocannabinoid system in the context of all of these different disease states? It is a tremendous body of scientific literature, um, something like 25, 30,000 different papers looking at different pieces of this to try to understand, uh, the, the endogenous system in the human body, as well as the manipulation from CBD. And, just taking out these little bits and pieces, you can see why it's something that, you know, we really felt was worthwhile tackling on this podcast because it is something that has the possibility of being an adjunct in many, many situations that is going to potentially add to how our body is positively responding to all of the other healthy diet and lifestyle things that we're doing. I think it's important to point out that we are not medical professionals. And while Sarah has done exhaustive um, studies, you know, you know your body better than anybody else. And if you are going to embark upon trying CBD to see how it might um, help your health, um, whether that be physical or emotional, pay attention. I, one of the things that um, is helpful for me when I started um, taking CBD, and to be clear, I don't take it regularly, and I'll say why in a minute, um, is that I would document like how I felt after or like what foods I ate before or after to see if that also had an effect. Um, and so for me in particular, and it's entirely different in Matt, and that's one of the things is like your body's response is could potentially be very different than somebody else's mm -hmm. response. And so for me, it makes me 
very calm, which is a good thing for me to know. But I made the mistake of taking it once because I was <laughs> I was super anxious and I was stressed out and I had a lot to do. And I was like, you know what? We'll solve this. I'll take CBD. <laughs> nope, that didn't solve it at all. That just made me even more anxious once it was passed because I hadn't done anything because I was like, I'm going to Netflix and chill. Um, and so I had to learn when was the right times for me knowing my body's response. Like my body's response is quite often, you need a nap. And frankly, that my body is right. <laughs> like it's yeah. triggering all the things in my symptoms and it's calming my body down. And it's saying like, you are overly stressed out. You need to nap. Like we, we know how good sleep is, right? Like for it to tell my body, you need a nap. It's a hundred percent right. A nap is a good thing in most of those situations. But in reality, I can't always take a nap when I have a lot of things to do. So um, I think it's important, like for me, how it affects me is entirely different for Matt. For Matt, because he has ADHD and, you know, he has all of those kinds of things, like how his body responds to it is like, it's like night and day. It's, you know what I mean? Like we're, it's not the same kind of situation. So um, I would just say like making sure that you're using a brand that is consistent in its quality, which is why we partnered with One Farm, because we feel confident that if you got one batch and jar from them and you knew how you felt and then you ordered again three months later, like it's not going to be different because they're testing and they're maintaining that product. But making sure that you're you're using something that is consistent, because as I mentioned earlier, like the testing and the different kinds of things that they're doing in these studies, I'm sure they're making sure that it's regulated for a certain mm -hmm. level and amount of CBD without THC. Like the results are not going to be the same if it's all over the place. And a lot of these brands, because it's not federally regulated, because it falls into like the supplement category, it could be like you're taking two different things if you're not using a quality product. If that makes sense. I, start, I feel like I started to ramble there at the end, but no, hopefully no, it came good. together. Um, I think this is, this is the right place to talk about the boundaries of human knowledge on CBD. Um, because that is one of the things that I think is really important to understand about where we are in terms of CBD research is we understand a lot of the mechanisms. We have preliminary data showing benefit in a lot of different um, chronic disease states, um, and we can we can understand exactly what's happening that is responsible for that benefit. But what we do not have is dose response studies. Um, we don't have um, uh, for for really any disease state. You know how much, how often. Um, what form necessarily, um, right? There, there are studies that look at, for example, uh, transdermal CBD, so where you're using a, a, a cream versus oral. Um, it's actually not super bioavailable, so it's only about 13 to 19% bioavailable when taken orally, which means we're only absorbing sort of uh, at best about a fifth of the CBD in hemp oil. It lasts about nine hours in our system. Um, so it's... Uh, we don't have really clear guidance from the medical literature right now in terms of understanding uh, in what situation, how much to take, 
how often. And that's one of many reasons to talk to your doctor um, before taking this or any supplement. Um, the other thing is that the the doses that have been studied in clinical trials vary dramatically. So uh, a lot of the human studies have uh, dosed at 10 milligrams per day, twice a day, or broken up into two a day. So that's five milligrams twice a day. Um, But in the the relatively new epilepsy studies, which are are very exciting, um, showing that there's about a a 50% response rate um, in refractory epilepsy, um, showing complete, like, bye-bye seizures, um, which is is really fascinating. It's probably one of the first places where CBD is going to be approved as a drug is for the treatment of epilepsy. Um, but in those studies, they've, they've gone up to three to four milligrams per kilogram per day um, with no adverse events reported, no evidence of toxicity. Um, and that translates, if, if you weigh 150 pounds, that translates to 270 milligrams per day, which is crazy. And I am not, I am not suggesting anybody even tackle anything remotely close to that. That is definitely only under medical supervision levels, even though there has never been a fatality reported from cannabinoids. Um, there is still the possibility in very high doses of there being, uh, a psychoactive effect um, impacting cognition, potentially triggering substance abuse. I mean, most of that's associated with, associated with THC, but there is a possibility in some genetically susceptible people, even with CBD. So this is a, like, we don't know what the optimal dose is in what situation. And that is really, really important to understand. Um, you know, these it appears to be very, very safe based on the information that we have now. But if you're looking for dosing recommendations, again, I think it's really important to talk to a doctor. It's also really important to talk to a doctor because there are potential drug interactions. So if you are taking any kind of drug that um, is uh, basically metabolized in the liver from the cytochrome P450 superfamily of enzymes, which is a lot of pain medications, for example. Um, But there's actually most analgesics, um, both opioids and non-opioids, are metabolized using cytochrome P450 superfamily enzymes. Um, But CBD inhibits several um, of the several of that superfamily of enzymes. Um, so that's why CBD can potentially interfere with your metabolism of other medications. So if you're taking those, any kind of painkiller, any kind of anticonvulsant, um, HIV protease inhibitors are also, um, also interact with CBD. So, um, this is definitely a, if you have any concerns about um, drug interactions, make sure you're talking about this with your doctor. Um, I think that's really, really important. And um, and just you know, keep in mind that the science is really, really exciting, but we're not at the you know giant phase three and four clinical trials where we have um, you know tens of thousands of people worth of data looking at the optimal dose in different situations. Super helpful. Mic drop. Mic drop. I have nothing um, more to add. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so if you are compelled by the science behind CBD and it is something that you, with your doctor's approval and medical supervision, want to um, experiment with and see how it may improve your health, um, Stacy and I are supporters of One Farm because of all the things we've already talked about. They're um, complete control everywhere from growing the hemp to the final uh, extraction processes, um, being USDA certified organic, both at the farm and the extraction facility and the high quality standardized, uh, third party tested quality of their products. You can learn more at onefarm.com slash paleo view. And if you're ready to order, you can save 15% off with the coupon code paleo view. Wunderbar. <laughs> Well, thank you for diving into the science. I know for me, I was truly a doubter. I <laughs> was like, what is this? Is it even legal? Um, and all of that jazz. And so I'm excited to share and hopefully break some of those basic myths as well as like why you would want to and the science behind it. So um, as always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, the very best thing you could do is share it with others, whether that be a review so that others can feel confident in spending their time downloading and listening to the show, or by telling loved ones, um, sending them a link, uh, sharing in your social media, all of that kind of stuff is just the absolute greatest compliment and help you can give us and we appreciate every time um, you do any of that. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. (laughs) Okay, someone's got energy for us, which is good. Well, I don't know if it's so much energy as insanity. I... Like, only had decaf today as an intentional choice. And um, I find myself doing ridiculous things. Like, I pulled up everything for the podcast, including show notes. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, what? Oh, I need to open Skype. (laughs) (laughs) And Why aren't we starting yet? Earlier this morning... I went to blow dry my bangs and I plugged in the curling iron, like literally unplugged the curling iron to plug in the hair dryer and plugged the curling iron back in. Um, so <laughs> this is, these are the reasons why I need to do decaf occasionally because <laughs> clearly I'm a little addicted to caffeine. <laughs> um, I, uh, all I'm hearing is uh don't give up caffeine that's that's what i'm hearing i know that's my personal takeaway from this you have one vice i will i will give you that vice seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.